Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. Today, I have Caleb Pierce with me. Caleb, say hello. Hey, guys. So let's give you some background on Caleb. I'll give you the stats. Caleb is 34 years old. He's married to a lovely lady. They have four children together. You can tell by the disco ball in the back and the hockey table. Caleb's house is the house in the hood to be at. But more than that, Caleb, tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey. Uh, so um, I grew up in a poor family. And it's kind of cool. Uh, my dad always taught about being in business and uh, growing, making more. Just how do you be the best that you can be? And um, so life's taken many journeys, uh, many failings of one time moved to Kentucky for three months to be a car salesman. And that was a three month journey, which I bought a home down there, sold and flipped for a profit. Uh, so, so that wasn't was a total loss. Correct. I actually made more money flipping the house than I did as a car salesman. Your journey through business is, is not been what I'm hearing you say. It's not been a straight path. Correct. Um, it's doing really good right now, but in the past, it's taken many dips, and I wasn't from a family of learning of how to be a good business person, so I just had to wing it. And uh, there's a lot of great people we can watch, listen to online, and read to be better. You know, that's an intelligent uh, observation that it, 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 it sounds so easy and it sounds so common, but as you know, common sense isn't all that common. You're actually choosing to educate yourself. You're actually choosing to better yourself through others' experiences. What brought you to that conclusion that Caleb Pierce wasn't smart enough to do it all by himself, but needed some help? I think really it was just in my grade school. Uh, they said that the purpose of schooling is not to learn how to do stuff, but to learn how to learn how to do things. And as I keep making more and more money, I keep investing more and more percentage of my income into becoming a better person and a smarter investor because, you know, I don't want to make a mistake with a much larger money number and go back to zero. Right. Yeah, yeah losing 10% of $100 is something you can, you can come back from pretty quick rather than losing 10% of $10 million for sure. Take us through your journey. You get out of high school, you start working. Where, where, where do you go? What, what takes Caleb through life? So in high school, we had this idea of starting a home, clean, not a home cleaning company. At that time, it was commercial cleaning. And I was like, okay, I can do this for a little bit, make some money, start a video business, make more money. And then, you know, just keep growing and be a huge success. Um, and I'm actually, weirdly enough, still in cleaning, commercial cleaning. We're back into it again. Uh, so I'm 34 years old. That's 16 years ago we actually started that. Life just keeps taking me around the same thing, bringing it back to the cleaning. And what I'm learning now is it's about having other people show up, do the work for you. How can you train them the best possible? So that way they can perform with amazing detail. And that's really how we make money is by having other people kind of do the work for us. Yeah, leveraging other people, that's for sure. You know, one of the things that I know is that every business can be lucrative in the right hands. Uh, I have one of my uh, gentlemen that we're building 132 units for uh, that he owns a cleaning company as well. And he's done that same thing. He's taught other people how to do the daily so that he can multiply his hands. And instead of doing the work of one man, he can do the work of uh, 75 individuals in his cleaning company. 
And what that's allowed him to do is to focus on the things that he cares about, which obviously with four kids, air hockey and a disco ball, there's some other things that you care about, Caleb. What is it in your life that motivates you? You know, I'm one of those guys that I never fit in in school, never fit in in Kentucky. Um, I am somewhat of a redneck. Um, Nothing wrong with that. I got lots of posters about Lamborghinis around <laughs> as an adult right now. So my goal is, uh, you know, uh, my wife back there, she's over there. Um, she's atop the Dream Center. So it's a huge charity in uh, Los Angeles. And we want to give lots of money to charities and we want to have lots of money ourselves, for example, like for the Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously it's, you don't stop with one, you keep going and, you know, making it to where life is fun and yeah, life is yeah. designed just to be a big blast with a little bit of struggles sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, I think that's something that the, 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 our newest generation coming out of high school is, is not as familiar with as we are and definitely not as familiar uh, with as our parents that life is struggle with fun involved. Uh, and a lot of times our kids just want the fun. Caleb, what do you see that your company does or, or that you do for your company better than your competition? I think really a lot of our competition, they just want to show up, do a basic job. They don't really want to push to be their best. And really, as long as all we do is really, if we just show up for one more hour each day than what our competition does each week, that's seven hours more, you know, a year, that's 365 hours, which means we're, for every year we're in business versus our competition, we get another month ahead of them. Yeah. And so in life, you know, and really what you do with that profits is you reinvest into real estate, reinvest into yourself to be a smarter person. And it's kind of cool how it's really a compound effect. It just grows slowly over time. You know, you know so, so that's interesting. I've not heard that before, but man, what, I, guys, I hope you tuned into how profound that is. If you're given an hour more a day than your competition, you're given 365 hours more a year, you're given a month. So Caleb, you've been in business for 16 years. You're a year and a half ahead of your competition with that formula, just you. But if you multiply that times your employees, Caleb, you are you're showing people a way here where they can be not just a year, but 10, 15 years ahead of the competition. That's amazing. Where did you, where did you come up with that simple concept? I followed a lot of Dave Ramsey. I've listened to Grant Cardone too. Yeah. Both of them teach the same policies ultimately of live on a small budget, become debt. Dave Ramsey's be debt free. Grant Cardone's like leverage. If you live on a small budget and invest the rest of your money and realize money is not yours, it's a tool, then you're going to have a lot more money because just simply taking, you know, again, a little bit of your money all the time, instead of having the coolest car, you know, eventually you're going to have the coolest car. Well, and as you know, you know, uh, Caleb, the, the, the asset that's producing money is what you're after you're looking for the asset that's producing enough to afford the luxuries, not getting the luxury and the, and trying to figure out how to deal with the luxury. You've got a $150,000 Lamborghini or you've got a $150,000 rental property and the rental property is paying you $1,100 a month. And once that's paid for, you can afford the Lamborghini. I think you really have uh, that concept down because a lot of people miss that. They always look for the reward for themselves first. 
They look for the instant gratification or at least the annual gratification that gives them what they want before they have to give it, before they have, have built the, the reality that pays them that every month. So Caleb, tell me a little bit about your real estate journeys that you've had over your lifetime. My wife and I got married. We had a kid and she was like, we can't live in this small apartment. We need to buy a house. We didn't make enough money to buy a real house. So we bought an apartment, a three unit rental. It's a great lesson to live with your tenants because it teaches you what you want to avoid. Right. It teaches you how to be a property manager, right? Correct. And You know, I I still have my first tenant that I had to evict. I think it was actually one of my first tenants. They came in, they didn't have a down payment or deposit. From then on out, I used that same story. Hey, the last person I let move in without a deposit, I had to evict them. I don't want to evict you, so you have to have a security deposit. That's the way it works. You paid pretty dearly for that story, didn't you? (laughs) It was my (laughs) mother-in-law. Oh my goodness, really? You had to evict your mother-in-law? Yeah, um, you know, oh, for some you're, reason, you're not real popular at Christmas. With the brother-in-law that doesn't really talk to the mother-in-law, I am popular. Uh, <laughs> he likes me. His wife likes I me. I got to tell you guys, that is a first. Uh, evicting not only a family member, but evicting his wife's mother. Yeah, we were missing payments because they weren't paying us. And I was like, oh, come on. But whatever. Yeah. No, you know what? And those are lessons learned, right? That that yeah. was real estate investing 103, I think is the course that that's, that that's called. It, it's funny, Caleb, because you're, you're a little closer to my age. What I hear people calling it now, you bought a, a three unit, lived in one. Now I hear them calling that house hacking, where you rent out rooms in your, in your house. They've called that house hacking. You know, when I was growing up, that was just called being broke. We had to have roommates. We had to, you know, buy in a duplex and living in one half and, and renting out the other half or a triplex in your, your case was just what you had to do to be able to afford that. So then you moved on from there? Yeah. So we bought a country place. Um, I, I actually, I kind of, at that point, I was not a realtor yet, but we bought a country home. It was two acres, a bank owned. So all the plumbing had to be replaced because it all busted out during the freeze of the winter. Isn't that fun? Um, but we got it at an amazing deal. Got it about probably $80,000 off. Ah, so yeah. Gotta love um, the bank. Yeah, so that was a sweet deal to get a hold of. We lived there for a couple years. After that, we moved to Kentucky. <laughs> then we moved back to that same exact place. It's funny, we were, we were teaching Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, mm-hmm. and we kept hearing people about how they would like sell their dream homes so they could become debt-free. And we was like, okay, we got two properties. We got the rental and we have the place that we live in that we really love. It has two acres of land. I'm a redneck. Go mow the lawn. And we did have a mouse problem, mice problem there. So I'd take the shotgun and mow the lawn and shoot mice each time I mowed. It was great. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so I am a redneck, I think. It's you know, like- and I was going to say for a redneck, two acres is a little, a little close to your neighbor, isn't it? <laughs> Well, they were quite, there was a field separating us. Well, and you're a good shot too. And then mouse were pretty big. So, so you got her all handled there. Correct. It looked like we were going broke to all of our friends and family because we were moving back to the place, that same apartment building that we originally had, we moved back into there. It made us debt free. And right now we're still in the remodeling of it, which that's where I am in the basement of right now is that place. 
but it's kind of nice now. Our master bedroom is about 700 square feet. Square feet. My, I got apartments in my complexes that aren't 700 square feet. So, you know, again, it might look like you're doing the opposite of what's wise, but sometimes it works out really nice. You know, and that's so true. You judge a book by its cover and you, you, you see somebody that's driving a Lexus or, or something like that. And you must think, man, they're, they're being successful. But in most cases, you find that they're just barely ahead of the payments. Whereas when you, a lot of times when you see people like yourself that have, be, that have continued to stockpile, that have continued to pay for things, that have continued to put themselves in the financial position. You know, there's some uncertainty in the world right now with coronavirus and everything that's going on, and it really doesn't matter what you believe, there's uncertainty. Whether you believe we're doing the right thing, the wrong thing, it's a big deal, it's not a big deal, we're killing the economy, we're saving everybody's life, it doesn't matter. Those that have the cash are looking a lot less nervous than those that don't. Those that are depending on that stimulus check to get through the next couple of weeks that aren't able to pay the rent or the mortgage, don't look near as successful as those that are sitting there going, well, I might not have a, a Lamborghini or a Lexus or a G-Wagon, but I have what I need to make sure my family is taken care of and I can exist on a small budget, like you said, and, and I can get through that. How is your cleaning business responding to the coronavirus? Uh, one of our team leads, uh, everyone they had their number, on they actually kind of formed a strike like when the very first case hit our county they did a strike midday everyone that she had contact with walked out uh so we had to replace a lot of our cleaners pretty immediately with the cleaning business it's debt free we have four uh actually five company cars with that and so it's kind of cool because with this we're looking at it of throttling okay when do we start spending money on mass marketing and growing the business? Because yeah, we're at a 30% down. Almost everyone in the industry is down by 30% revenue. On the backside of this, we can be so much stronger because we're taking the time now to develop better training manuals to just, yeah, nail it. You know, and that is, that is so true, Caleb. Uh, I hear people, and, and, and I, I think it has to do with that entrepreneur spirit that that understanding that in every aspect of life, there's the part in there that where you can learn. There's the part in there that you can grow. And I've seen business owner after business owner look at this and, and not really be in love with what's going on out there, but understand that they can maximize the situation to, like you said, you lost an employee, a team lead that, that went on strike. But what I found is a lot of times when you spend your time and effort trying to keep somebody in your business because you think they're so important to your business, they wind up doing something like this. You realize how much your business is really your business. And it saved you from trying to carry them through a slow time. You've got new blood in your business that appreciates it. You're building your training. You're focusing on your business. You're getting yourself stronger regardless of the situations and the, and the circumstances surrounding you. So I commend you for that because you are doing what most entrepreneurs are doing right now. And that's doubling down on themselves and doubling down on their business to make sure that that tomorrow is a better day. So we're seeing a lot of that same trend here 
where, you know, we're doing a lot of these podcasts, we're meeting with people, people's schedules are a little bit more open. There's more time to work on things that are, have been neglected when we've been running down the road with our house on fire and our butts are right behind it. Now we can focus on business. When you've been doing that, Caleb, what is the nugget or two of business that you're focusing on that you're really seeing you can polish up and that's going to add to your bottom line the minute you come out of this thing? Uh, one nice thing about having someone of that pay level is we had started to pay too much money for the market. And with them just walking out, it made it easy because it was enough people that we could just reset our pay structure at a much paying more of the market value instead of $18 an hour, paying $11 an hour to the teammates. That additional revenue is just going to go into marketing. Uh, we're examining possibly becoming more solo teams. Our vehicles are all painted pink with the company name on them. In the Midwest, there's no pink cars. No, no, it's so, not American country. <laughs> so it's great because, you know, our branding is just going to go through the roof over this. And that's nice. You know, and that's, that's a great way to look at it, to see the silver lining in it. What is it that you are hoping to do with your company in the next three to five years? Our BHAG is to have 50,000 lives touched each year. I think really with the cleaning industry, it can just have a little bit of organization brought to it. Uh, kind of like how Molly makes, but they're too big for what to actually reach small cities. And there's a lot of great small towns that people everywhere need their homes cleaned. Right. We can use a solo model and, you know, using COVID to re-examine how our industry even works. So that way we can have excellent training excellent pay you know maybe people don't always need to come to an office because we got great technology such as this right here on zoom yeah, yeah you know and that's one thing that i've noticed uh and and it's funny it makes me thankful i'm not uh heavily invested in office uh product but you know when you're looking at it and you're and you're looking at what's going on it really does show us how technologically advanced we can be if we want to be where we can connect to anybody face-to-face, -face, have good meetings, um, get the conversation going, and really kind of maintain that human connection from Idaho to Ohio, right? It's much quicker this way. It, it is, because the commute I was worried about. So 50,000 people a year to touch, how is that, how, how are you planning to do that? How are you going to roll that out? The way that we look at it is every home that we clean, we're touching about three lives. So the way that we're going to ramp up to the 50,000 is it's just expanding slowly or actually our goal is just to expand and keep building that pathway. Cause as you hire, as you hire into a business, typically you hire someone that's on the outskirts of your path. And then so we can expand market to that where near they live and then grow it a little bit more and more and more. That's awesome. What is it that you think is going to change coming out of COVID? The big things that are going to change in the cleaning industry is that a lot of us in the industry used to go for teams and now we're heading more towards the solo models and just getting people trained on how to be smart and do the job and be much safer because we've been dealing with diseases all these years, but now it's in our front of our faces. And so you know, it used to be in the industry, oh, if you don't want to wear gloves, that's fine. Now it's, you have to wear gloves or you're fired. Sure. 
I really do like how Ohio has brought on the thing of if you're sick at all, if you're sneezing, you can't be at work. I think really this might be something that sticks in long-term, especially in the cleaning industry, because, you know, if someone is sick, do you really want them going into other people's houses? The answer's no. You know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's funny now all of a sudden people have realized how communicable, I think that's the word, but how easy it is for one person to give the disease to somebody else, whether it's a cold, whether it's, you know, any of, any of many different diseases or viruses or things like that. So it's, it is bringing a highlight just to how, how connected we are when you see how it can get from China to Italy to the United States, just how quickly that is. So I want to ask you one final question, Caleb. When you think about life and you think about your philosophies in life, what is it that you identify as, as your definition of wealth? My definition of wealth is being able to give as much money as you want away and your pocketbook still become richer and richer, such as uh, a book I really love, The Richest Man in Babylon, is a book I really love. It's a great book. It's a great book. So, so that, that allows you to, to continue to bless others while getting blessed yourself and continuing to grow your experience while you continue to grow. Correct. That's awesome. Well, Caleb, I want to thank you for stopping by the Real Estate Rundown. I, I'm, I'm glad you got on the show. I hope you stay on your real estate journey. I look forward to checking in with you soon. Thanks again, guys, for joining us. Thank you, guys.